This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today on the show, we'll visit with Deb Veter. She's the Adopt-A-Stream Program Coordinator from the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. The theme of the Adopt-A-Stream Program is caring for and learning to conserve water resources in our state. That's good for us and the creatures that call Mississippi's waterways home. Uh, today, we're going to find out how you can become a good steward of Mississippi's waters, and Dr. Major's here ready to take some pet questions. The phone lines are open, so to join the conversation, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or email the show animals at mpbonline.org. A reminder that if you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it repeats Saturday mornings at six. So good morning to everyone. Hope that we're all doing well today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> let's start. Uh, first of all, Libby, do you have any events that you want to talk about? I've got a couple of things here that okay. people have let me know. Uh, first, Ripley's Believe It or Not exhibit still at the Natural Science Museum, and it is a lot of fun. And tomorrow's Fun Friday in association with the Ripley's Believe It or Not exhibit from 10 to 12. There'll be all kinds of activities for children. And this one is about the wonders of electricity. And as I think we mentioned last week, it's a safe way to learn about electricity. So you can do some fun experiments without worrying about getting hurt. And then Curiosity Day is next Wednesday afternoon. So, And you can Google to find out more information about both of these things. And uh, this is alligator nesting time of year. Hmm. And just a reminder to people, if you ever thought about it, it's not something that would occur to me, but don't disturb an alligator nest <laughs> if you find one. Please. Yes. It's best to leave it alone and, you know, back away. Maybe if you've got uh, a way to observe it from a safe distance, you can watch the process. But otherwise, just kind of leave it alone. The mom hangs around, definitely, and guards the nest. It's, a, you know, a great big mound, five or six feet across, kind of on an upland place adjacent to water usually or a little mound maybe surrounded by water I think is what they prefer but do leave them alone and then one other thing pond management workshop July the 19th at the Jasper County Extension Service and it's a a joint workshop from um, Mississippi State Extension Service and the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And a reminder to landowners, if you um, have an interest in any kind of workshops, that both those organizations do a lot of good workshops for landowners. So kind of how to get the best value out of your land, how to um, – sometimes it's a, an interesting little side business that you might do or just ways for you to enjoy your land more. But both um, Mississippi Extension Service and the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, it would be worth um, doing an online search to, to find out what other workshops are going on. Okay. Uh, speaking of the MSU Extension uh, Service, uh, we got an email from Linda uh, last week we talked about armadillos, and so she has sent us a couple of photos of some young armadillos on her farm in North Octibaha County. We've all commented about uh, the interesting patterns that the the armor of the armadillos have. Uh, to me, it almost looks like paint 
on there. But uh, it's uh, they were interesting creatures, and we got some great photos, so thanks to Linda. And also, if you missed last Thursday but were interested in our conversation about armadillos, you can listen to the podcast. If you have any sort of podcast player on your smartphone, uh, you can do that. Subscribe to uh, Creature Comforts, and you can listen back to previous shows. Also, uh, we archive our shows on our website, mpbonline.org. So if you ever miss Thursday or Saturday or just want to go back and relive an earlier program, a couple of places you can go to find one. You know, I use that MPB app. Yes. And it's got all of the old podcasts of, really, I guess, all the shows. Right. They the, go back pretty far anyway. I don't know if they go back to the beginning. This is our 11th year, so they may not have all of that. But they've got, you know, a good many of the shows are on there. And that's an easy way to to listen if you don't have a radio with you and you're mm-hmm. not in the car. I, I do that. And when I'm in the yard sometimes, just yeah. turn on my app and either listen to a past show or listen to the current, to whatever's on air. Exactly. So the app allows you to listen on your schedule. So if uh, you're ever not able to listen to the live show on the radio, plenty of ways for you to go back and enjoy the show. A couple of emails here also from last week want to follow up on. Uh, this first one says, and it's from Rex and Brandon, a coworker recently discovered what he describes as a huge nest of honeybees in his yard. I begged him to postpone his plans to spray them until I could con- get contact information for free bee removal. Any help is greatly appreciated. Yes, if they'll send me an address, I can send them information about it. it- May not be honeybees. It may be yellow jackets or bumblebees. If it sounds, if it's a nest in the ground, that, that might be what he's talking about. But we can talk to him about it, and we can get them removed safely. Okay. Uh, so actually, uh, he has his email here. So maybe oh, if we good. give that to yeah. you, uh, you can follow up on that. Yeah. So Rex, if you're listening uh, this morning, thanks for the email, and also Libby should be able to get in touch with you within the next couple of days and uh, help r- resolve that situation. Uh, the other one comes from Miriam, who says, "Hi." I have a question about my son's cat. He's four years old and neutered. No territory problems. The problem is that for most of his life, we lived in a quiet area, and I took to letting him outside every day for a couple of hours. We recently moved, and I'm not comfortable letting him out safely anymore. It's driving him crazy. He's scratching up all the doors in my house, begging to be out. I bought him all the toys and scratchers, etc. I can find to keep him busy, but nothing seems to make him feel better. What can I do to help him adjust to staying indoors? Any thoughts, Dr. Major? Well, you know, he's trained to go outside, and cats that are like that uh, really want to go out. They, a lot of them observe, a lot of the cats hunt. So uh, he's, he's got this desire to go out. I would say that there are a couple of things that you might consider. One is a calming collar. Uh, it has maternal pheromones, and sometimes that will help to calm uh, the cat is much better than having to try to give any medication orally or uh, even once a day. So that's a possibility. The other thing would be, depending on your time, to figure out how to retrain this cat to a certain extent. There are, uh, if a cat will watch TV, there are videos that are very, very interactive. Uh, you can go online and look for those. Uh, at the same time, there are other things. Such some of the toys are automated and can simulate, to a certain extent, uh, hunting and catching prey. So try to do those. There is no absolute answer that I know of, but uh, she needs to try to give this cat plenty to do, uh, places to hide, places to, uh, what shall I say, act like he's a hunter, Mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully that will help some. 
Uh, also, I think if if she were ever to decide to do it, a, a fact that the cat does sort of have a history of being an indoor outdoor cat, uh, sh- sh- shouldn't be too many problems with the cat running off. I would imagine. It's always hard to know. Uh, some cats do try to head back to their old territory. Uh, I don't know how far away she is from that, but uh, in a contained area, uh, when I say contained area, a secure backyard or something like that, I could think she could leave the cat out for a while, but under supervision. All right. Uh, but as you said, other than that, try to do something to keep the cat uh, engaged and uh, try not to get too bored because I think that's when uh, cats get to be their most destructive is, you know, they're looking for something to do. Uh, I know my cat goes nuts every once in a while. Uh, it's amazing to me that cats, because, you know, they sleep for 18 hours of a day or whatever, but when they're up, uh, they are certainly active, that's for sure. So, And one of the things that some of the people do, and I, I have, I think, uh, one or two clients that have this, you can actually purchase uh, uh, something where you could actually uh, have the cat where it could go out the window into a tunnel and into a larger uh, play area outside that can be secure. That might be a possibility. If you understand what I'm saying, it could mm-hmm. be fixed where you could go out at will uh, and into this tunnel out away from the house kind of by tunnel. This is mesh uh, tunnel. It's not it's something you can erect quickly and then out into a uh, enclosed uh, playpen, if you will. I have a friend that did something like that, and I was amazed by it. She It's like connects to her screen porch, mm-hmm. and it's made of chicken wire, and right. it's multiple cats in her case, and they can go outside and play. And that way they get the, the sounds and the smells of the outdoors, too, mm-hmm. and then that, that's a that's a, a good idea. All right. So um, why don't we go ahead and take our first break. When we get back, we'll begin our conversation. Our guest today is Deb Veter, the Adopt-A-Stream Program Coordinator for the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. If you have any questions for Deb about the work of the Wildlife Federation or the Adopt-A-Stream Program, you can give us a call. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions, and we always like to hear your experiences with wildlife. So give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back with more after this. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Deb Veter. She's the Adopt-A-Stream Program Coordinator from the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. We've got some open phone lines ready for your calls this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464. You can always email the show animals at mpbonline.org. So, Deb, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for asking me. Uh, remind us of the work and the mission of the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. Well, basically, the Mississippi Wildlife Federation is a hunting and fishing organization. Um, we, you know, it's basically we try to. Um, protect the wildlife legacy. It's, you know, we want to conserve Mississippi uh, natural resources and protect our wildlife legacy and kind of um, get people outdoors, um, explain to them what's kind of out there and, and 
we and get kids outside. Um, that's a big thing. We also, um, for one of those things, if I get a plug, mm-hmm. is the Mississippi uh, Wildlife Extravaganza is coming up in August, the first weekend, August uh, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, and Kids Day is that Friday. Um, kids 12 and under are free. So um, it's from 2 to 8 p.m. So that's a good day to get your kids maybe out there. There's We have a lot of speakers and stuff. So it'd be a good day to kind of introduce your kids if they have Excuse me. Haven't been introduced before. Okay. Uh, maybe give us an example of, of, of a program that uh, you work with with kids at the Wildlife Federation. Um, we have a couple of programs. In fact, in August, uh, sorry, in September, um, we have Outdoor Rama, um, which is out at Turricot. It's up near the Natchez Trace and Highway 43 at the top of the reservoir. Um, at that uh, event, we have kids that they can, and it's a free event for kids. So they can do um, some fishing, they can canoe, they can uh, shoot clays, they can do archery. Um, also, there's a lot of environmental um, uh, booths out there, um, and it is all free. Um, we just had, um, about a month ago, uh, it's called Catfishing Kids, mm-hmm. and it's a, basically a, a, a fishing rodeo type thing. And the kids get to come in and catch you know, they've stocked the, you know, not fed them or, or you know, stocked the, the little ponds out there. And they can catch, you know, up three, I think it's three catfish or that out there and get to take them home if their parents want to. <laughs> um, and um, it's a nice, you know, introduction, especially if kids haven't done anything like that before. So it gets kids outdoors, lets them do some fun things. But at the same time, you begin to plant in their mind the seeds of, hey, this is... Uh, these resources we need to protect and and preserve our natural resources. Correct, and it you know it it introduces them maybe in a um, in a kind of a air way that it's you know kind of regulated you mm-hmm. know so that they aren't just kind of out there and could get, you know it's a lot so they don't get hurt and stuff like that and they get, figure out how to do it the right way. All right, so tell us about the Adopt a Stream program. Um, the Adopt-A-Stream program um, is a program uh, through the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality and the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. Um, basically, it's a grant that I work under, under the Clean Water Act, and I've been doing it for about 12 years now, and it's, we basically, um, it's to explain to people that we need clean water. Um, the goal, and, and, and that is to kind of let people know how they affect our water sh- their watershed, and we all live in a watershed because a watershed basically is an area of land that drains to a particular creek, stream, or other water body, and we all live on land. Pretty much, I think, all live <laughs> on land, um, so therefore we all affect our watersheds. Okay. Uh, we're going to be visiting with Deb throughout the hour, so if you have a question about the Adopt-A-Stream program, uh, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Dr. Major, ready to take some pet questions as well, and it looks like we have one coming in from Ashley in Biloxi. Good morning, Ashley. Go ahead, please. Hi. Um, I have a question for Dr. Major. Um I adopted a dog not too long ago. Um, she's about six years old. She's a little crazy. Um, and I haven't had much trouble with training her. She's pretty much house trained. But my only problem is she pees on rugs. And I don't, no matter how many times a day I let her out, if I leave, we can't have any rugs in the living room. And I have no carpet in my house. Um, 
I have a bathroom rug and I have a rug in the baby's room and she's already marked those. And I clean them thoroughly. I use like the enzyme stuff and I, I try to keep the doors closed, but it's just, it's a lot of work to keep up with, you know, um, like we don't have AC in the bathroom, so it gets hot and stuffy in there if you don't leave the door open. And um, I shouldn't have to pick up rugs every time to stop the dog from peeing on. I don't know why she thinks that the rugs are a spot. Right. So I'm just wondering, what can I do to curb that habit? How long, how long have you had this dog now? About two years. Yes. And, of course, she probably st- was doing this when you got her. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we don't know the history as far as how she was handled. She may have been confined in the house. Uh and maybe uh, used to going on carpet. Some people seem not to mind. Uh, it's going to be difficult to retrain her. The thing that you can do, of course, when you're not there, uh, you can actually use a kennel uh, to keep her confined. Uh, I would suggest maybe a puppy gate at the bathroom. Uh, it may be inconvenient, but at least it would keep her out of there. She scales it. She just jumps right over it. She jumps the fence. We have to keep we have to okay. place her in the backyard because she's a fence yes. climber too. Yes. <laughs> and this is one of the, the biggest reasons that animals are put up for adoption, unfortunately, is the fact that they cannot be housebroken, some of them. Uh I don't know whether it's uh, something that she could stay outside more. Uh but uh it is a difficult situation. You might, there is a behaviorist at uh, Mississippi State University, uh, and actually you might get in touch with the vet school there and talk to her. As far as consultation, she may have some ideas that I'm not aware of. Uh, And uh, just call the vet school and ask for the veterinary behaviorist, and uh, she might be able to give you some information that would be helpful. Good luck I read, to you. Real, real quick, I read something about um, like lemon spray. Is there a spray that I could put on it to stop it, or does that just not really work? Is it like an old wives' tale or something? I think she's probably got it ingrained in her bed and in her mind <laughs> that this is the yeah. thing to do. Uh, and, you know, the carpet, think about it. It feels good under their feet, a little bit more like grass. Like grass. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it gets to be that way. And it's almost impossible, especially if you have pads underneath the carpet. Yeah. To get all the odor out, there's a product, and I'm sure it sounds like you've used some of them. Uh, one of them is aptly named Uranoff, and uh, it uh, does pretty good. But once it gets into the pad under a carpet, very difficult to clean that up. Good luck to you. All right. Ashley, thanks for your call. We've got some open phone lines ready for your call as well. Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions. And we're visiting today with Deb Veter, the Adopt-A-Stream uh, coordinator for the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. So if you have a question about the Adopt-A-Stream program and how it works, maybe some of the goals, uh, you can give us a call. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four is the number to call to get on board the show this morning. Uh, so, Deb, you mentioned that, you know, almost anywhere in Mississippi, we're all part of a watershed. Exactly how many miles of rivers and streams do we have here in Mississippi? We have about 86,000 miles of streams um, in the state, so we're a pretty wet state mm-hmm. in that. Um, and since we're all in watersheds, there's about, there's 10 major watershed basins in Mississippi. So, you you know, either you're draining to the Mississippi River or the Gulf Coast that we're affecting what's going on in all these streams and rivers, even if you don't realize it because you are part of a watershed. And, you know, the whole Yazoo area 
All drains to Yazoo River and eventually to the Mississippi River, for example. Around here, we're in the most, most likely in the Pearl River Valley, and everything drains to the Pearl River and then down to the Gulf of Mexico. So we're affecting what's going on out there, whether you live you know, right on that stream or several miles away. Um, so how would you describe the current state of Mississippi's waterways? Are we doing a, a, a good job uh, trying to keep them clean? Well, there's, you know, there's always um, some uh, problems with a lot of the different streams. Litter is a big problem, you know, trying to get people to quit throwing things out their car window or throwing it into the back of a pickup truck, which usually then it flies out because the pickup truck's running down the road. Um, People leave a lot of things out when they're out, you know, canoeing, kayaking, boating. Um, They just kind of drop things and they don't remember to pick them up. Um, sedimentation or dirt and things getting into our riverways is another big one from construction or various things, um, you know, build a lot of building things. People forget to put up what we call silt fences. If you, I'm sure people have seen those black fit silt, those black fabric fences around, um, construction sites and that, but, you know, even in our backyards and that, if we get, uh, some erosion and, and stuff, people don't think to try to do something about that, putting maybe hay or, or um, mulch or something over these areas to where then most likely the dirt or that will go down um, the road, down the streets. And they don't think, most people don't realize that our storm drains um, around the roads and that, those holes in the side of the road, those drain directly to a creek or a stream. That does not drain to a water treatment plant. So anything that goes down that ends up in our creeks and rivers. Yeah, I've noticed in the Jackson area, in fact, there are uh, sometimes on the the storm drain itself a little reminder that says that exact thing, and so to try to help uh, people become more aware of that. Um, So what are some uh, behaviors that uh, people should think about? You kind of have touched on this a little bit, but what should people think about in terms of maybe everyday things that, that might unknowingly be affecting water quality? One big thing is we all love our yards. We all love our big, beautiful flowers, maybe our big, beautiful tomatoes, green grass. And it's not so much that, you know, I advocate that you can't use pesticides and fertilizers, but we got to remember to read directions. We can't just go out there and dump stuff um, because the excess, when it rains especially, will end up washing off. Another big thing, and people don't think about it, and they all think, you know, when I when I go to kids' programs or, or that, um, that they think it's gross, but um, is picking up after your pet, you know, especially dogs, um, out in the backyard, you know, because of the fact that, it, you know, I live at the reservoir. If you think of how many dogs are out there going to the bathroom outside, then, you know, all that is, if you're not picking it up, is all washing down to the reservoir. And I don't, you know, want to create a problem in the reservoir so much to say, but, you know, we've all got to kind of start thinking about this because we keep, you know, they're keeping more people out here, more animals out here, and we just need to be aware of some of the ways we could affect our streams and rivers and lakes and that if we aren't careful. You know, but also it sounds like you mentioned the erosion and overuse of pesticides and fertilizers. It's sort of like not only is that harmful to the nearby stream, but it's 
it's harmful to your yard, so maybe pay a little bit more attention to, to being a, a good steward of your backyard and in sort of the, it. What yeah. goes along, well, comes along and, kind of and that's kind of where the adopt a stream program has gone. Uh, when it began originally, it was they had workshops. Um, they asked people to um, they they showed them how to work this uh, big kit, which was about three hundred dollars or so, um, and did a lot of chemistry and that with it. Um, and then you would sign your life for three years that you would monitor your particular stream. We don't ever tell people where to monitor because there's too much um, private property. I don't want you going out on somebody's property and getting shot because, you know, you like that stream, but it's not yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they mo- we're supposed to monitor for three years every month. And it just, I think, got burdensome on people. So a lot of people wouldn't do it. So um, a lot of things, you know, we try to get people, we decided to kind of change up the program a little bit, and it begins in your backyard is what we say. You know, it begins with you, you know, both um, as adults and as children, hopefully, that it begins in our backyards to what we're doing out and affecting our streams and rivers. And there's a lot of different things that you can kind of do. All right, we'll follow up on that uh, when we get back from this next next break. Also, uh, Dr. Major has a couple of pet questions on the line. We've got some open phone lines for your call. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can always email the show as well. It's animals at mpbonline.org. We'll return with more Creature Comforts after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Deb Veter. She is the Adopt-A-Stream Program Coordinator from the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. So uh, any number of things you could call and join our conversation about, the uh, pet questions, uh, the work of the uh, Mississippi Wildlife Federation, specifically the Adopt-A-Stream Program, and again, any encounters with wildlife you'd like to share with us, we always like to hear those as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Back to the phone lines we go. Starting again in Columbus. Tina's on the line. Good morning, Tina. Go ahead, please. Hi. Thank you. Um, I have a question for Dr. Major. I have a a nine year old border collie, and she has a recurring problem with an inflamed vulva. And uh, I think this started happening around maybe two years ago. And some of the things that the, the vet has recommended is that we try to keep the area shaved. She also takes, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, phenylpropanolamine or proin. That's it. Okay. She okay. takes that three times a day. Okay. And uh, I'm just wondering, uh, one of the vets had recommended that another thing that we could try is to do some sort of surgery. Right. To stretch the urethra, but I just really would rather her not have a surgery. Absolutely. But uh, do you have any experience with this? Is there something? It's like, fair. Because the the medicine does not seem to be helping. That's okay. my point. Is that she seems to every few weeks get in distress again. 
And a basic explanation of the proin or phenylpropanolamine, uh, it helps to increase the tone of the bladder. That's a simple explanation, and it supposedly helps in some cases. Does she uh, tend to wet when she's laying down? Or is it, I have uh, never noticed okay. it, okay. But, when, but she's so furry, it's uh, possible that it just gets right. one, absorbed one, into her. One question that I would have, uh, was she spayed at an early age? She was spayed. Uh, I'm not really okay. sure. I mean, we've had her since yeah. she's a puppy. Okay. And I, I do know that we, we had her spayed, but I don't know. Somet- if it was like okay. abnormally early. Okay, sometimes, and this is a simple explanation, sometimes the external genitalia, or vulva in this case, does not uh, grow or reach its full maturity, if you will. And there are sometimes it, it actually, if you look there, it may be covered up by a fold of skin, uh, to, and plus the hair that's there. What the vet was talking about, I think, about surgery would be called an episioplasty, which basically you take skin out. It's not an internal surgery, but take skin out and actually lift the skin away from the vulva. Therefore, air can get to it better. And I would strongly suggest keeping that area clean as well by by, uh, keeping her uh, closely clipped where the fur does not mat down or cause any problems. Uh, any more information would be difficult to uh, tell you. Uh, it would be okay if you wanted to send us a picture of that area, and I could tell you a little bit more. But keep consulting with your veterinarian. There may still be an answer, and good luck to you. Send us a picture if you can. All right, uh, Tina, it's uh, animals at mpbonline.org if you want to send us a picture. And thanks for your call. Let's move along. Next, we've got Libby in Ocean Springs. Good morning, Libby. Go ahead, please. Hi, Libby, are you with us? Oh, yes. Hello. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, I'm sure there's nothing that can be done about this at this time. But I want to check to verify this. We have two cats. One is a female. She's about 14. Then we got the second one, who is a male, uh, when he was about, well, when he was a kid. And from day one, they have not gotten along. The kitten wanted very much to play with Missy, the female. And every time he would run over to her, she would just hiss and growl, and he would run away. Well, they still do that to this day. Uh, the male follows her around all the time and tries to get her attention, but she just stops and hisses and growls, and he runs away. Huh. And my concern is he's now <laughs> really big and heavy, yeah, right. and if he wanted to, he could just tear her right. to pieces. <laughs> well, she's still probably kind of the boss, though, when she hisses or tells him to leave her alone. Uh, right. he, he does He does mind that. Uh, okay. It... It's a difficult thing. I would say that uh, you might, and we already mentioned the common collar. It's a feline common collar that your vet probably has or can get. Mm-hmm. That helps in some cases to kind of slow. I've got one on my uh, soon-to-be-a-year-old, right at a year-old male cat. Mm-hmm. We have a three-legged female that uh, at first they started to not do exactly what you were talking about, but now... 
they do play some, and they groom each other some. So that's that's a good thing. I would suggest maybe trying something like that to kind of take okay. a little of the edge off of him. She may okay. have arthritis uh, at her age and may not want to play at all. So right. that, that's it may be something that you can't change as you indicated. But try that common collar and see. I don't have any stock in the company, but uh, I would think it might help. It has maternal uh, pheromones, and mm-hmm. it lasts for about a month, and you can try it. Okay. Thank right. you very much. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Libby. Let's uh, move on. Next, we've got uh, William calling in from Starkville. Good morning, William. Go ahead. Good morning. I, I just wanted to comment that uh, the environmental aspect of the thing you're, things you're talking about, about <clears throat> trash disposal and trash loss, uh, you might mention uh, how vast the impact of of plastics are in the ocean. Everything that we that we let go into a stream and can wash into a stream ends up in the oceans, and there's millions and I think billions of tons of plastic in in the Pacific Ocean. And uh, while that uh, our stuff here in Mississippi doesn't go that far, it's worth mentioning. The other thing I'd like to suggest is that. That I think we you should comment that that radios could make uh, kind of push the idea of trying to get people to influence their school boards to teach this uh, very explicitly in, in schools. We started teaching little kids not to throw trash in the schoolyard or out of their cars or around their own uh, homes. Uh, we might make an impact. I don't think there's much chance that that a radio program like we have here now that only perhaps 10% of the people here is going to influence uh, parents or people who are set in their ways, uh, especially the people that don't listen to it. Uh, so if we started teaching little kids, it would only take a few years or a decade, we might start to have a real impact. So I want to suggest that. Work on the school boards. Thank you, William. You, you did a great job of explaining the, the problems with plastics, too. But we actually do have a couple of programs in the state, and we have trained thousands of teachers and reached hundreds of thousands of kids through that. But obviously the problem is still well, bigger than that. But we, we do work closely with school boards to do Project Wild and Project Learning Tree in, tree in schools, and we do talk about litter. And I guess we all know we've talked about it uh, in the media for years. It would be nice mm-hmm. to be able to get some environmental education into the just into the system in Mississippi. Um, unfortunately, uh, we haven't gotten that. We're not there yet. Um, there are people who are working on it and that, and a couple uh, different organizations that will are kind of working on it. Um, I do a lot of uh, kids' programs, everything from, you know, uh, preschool, basically, all the way up through high school, even some college programs and adult programs and teacher programs that, yes, we and part of the, um, with the Adopt-A-Stream is, is teaching about recycling, and that would be a wonderful thing if we could get it into the state, is more recycling. I know it's expensive, or at least that's what I'm told, but, you know, a lot of states do have it, or some type of bottle um, deposit or something, you know, to, or, so that we can get it back, you know, be able to maybe try to make a difference because you're, um, you were wrong in the fact that, yeah, the, uh, even in Starkville and that, the, um, 
the water from your area goes into the, I think, the Tennessee Tom Bigby area, and then it goes through Alabama and down into the Gulf of Mexico eventually. So it does get out into the um, oceans even from there. Um, the Mississippi River drains 41% of the United States so and two Canadian provinces. So, you know, we're all affecting from all over, even if you don't think that you are in, in your area in, you know, a styrofoam uh, cup that you throw out your window in Mississippi can go anywhere in the world, yeah, really. It, yeah. it may take a while, but it can go anywhere. But, but you know, I think uh, it's important to get to kids because, obviously, the young and they're sort of the next generation of, of citizens. But I, I think a lot of us maybe don't realize the impact that kids might have on their parents, on their family. So if you teach them responsible behaviors, they take that back mm-hmm. into the house and maybe – work on mom and dad to change their behaviors. Yeah, uh, you know, part of the reason I know that we can't reach everybody on our radio show, but we do have a, a, a broad listening audience, and we urge everybody to pass along good environmental information. And um, it, it it's it's such an easy concept to just pick up after yourself. That and, but, you know, not only, you know, the, the museum has programs. I have programs for the schools. MDOT has little litter coordinators that also go out and do programs. So there's a lot of us, you know, if if I'm not available, there's somebody else available. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to get us out there into the schools. Unfortunately, you know, we're busy, te- you know, teaching various concepts that we can't always get, you know, the, the us uh people out there to be able to talk to these kids and that, but hopefully, you know, I, I love the suggestion to get it, get it out there into the um, curriculum. Thank you, William, for caring about enough yes. to call today. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. We're going to invite uh, Dudley from Calhoun County. Good morning, Dudley. Good morning. I just really cannot speak as eloquently as uh, William did, but I do have a... <laughs> a determination about trash on the highway and the, our roads. We have such a problem in, in our county and I think over the entire state. People will drive across our streams like I live on Schooner River, and they throw all kinds of things off into the river and then eventually goes, as you mentioned, into the Yazoo and finally into the to the Mississippi. Uh, I just can't thank you enough this morning. And... Also, I wanted to mention that the Soil and Water Conservation Service also uh, has programs like conservation carnivals where they try to help uh, the kids to understand and try not to trash. But thank you again. All right. Dudley, thanks very good for the call. Always good to hear from you. Um, and, you know, I would encourage people like Dudley and others that are concerned to uh, not only call in a show like this, but, you know, to try to be an advocate in their circle of, of friends and uh, maybe uh, their workplace, their church, uh, their school, that sort of thing. I, I think there's a lot that we can do um, as citizens uh, to, to help make change if you, if you think strongly on something. And uh, it's, it starts kind of at the grassroots level on a lot of these things. Uh, let's take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap things up. We're visiting today with Deb Veter, the Adopt-A-Stream Program Coordinator from the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Back to wrap up the show after this. 
Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with Deb Veter. She is the Adopt-A-Stream Program Coordinator from the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. Got some phone calls to get to, so let's hop back on the phone lines. Off to Beaumont we go. Sue has called in today. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. I'd, I'd like you're you're discussing a subject that's dear to my heart about people trashing up waterways and just public lands. Period. And also the water question. I have I'm on the uh, water system where the water comes straight from an aquifer, but by the time it goes through these decades old miles of old PVC pipes that break all the time, I, I, I wish someone would do an expose on how safe is our drinking water because everybody. Even though we have this wonderful water, the pipes are all corroded and old and broken frequently, you know. And so everybody has to buy drinking water. And so good for anything you can do to improve the situation, I'm all for you. And thank you. All right. Thank you, Sue, for pointing that out. Yeah. Um, So um, is is there a relationship between clean streams and and, uh, rivers and safe drinking water? Yes. well, a lot of the um, drinking water comes from uh, aquifers, like she said, down into the ground. So, you know, if we're polluting some of our areas, you know, the groundwater or aquifers, unfortunately, the aquifers are millions of years old. And so if, if something gets down in those aquifers, we would have a real big problem. Now, the pipe system and stuff, there's not a whole lot I can do about that. That's mm-hmm. more city or, or something. But, you know... Um, Doing something, you know, explaining to people that whether it's the groundwater, whether it's the trash on the gra- on the ground, or getting what you know something going down into a, an aquifer, that that can affect our drinking water. Yes, and here in Jackson, our drinking water comes from the, the reservoir and from the Pearl, Pearl River. River. Anything you throw out of your boat or out of your car window or in your backyard that goes through the stream and comes in the Pearl River, then We've got to pay money to filter it back out of our drinking water, or it stays in the drinking water if it's some chemical that they don't have a process for cleaning out. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, we're hurting ourselves by doing it. And a lot of things that end up in the landfills, you don't think about, you know, all the medicines and some of that kind of stuff that... You know, if if it happens to end up with a hole or leaching out of that landfill, you know, that can get seeped down into our drinking water. And, you know, it won't may not always be filtered out or be able to be filtered out. So it can cause problems that way. So I, I, you made a good point, Libby, because I think if there are people that, for whatever reason, don't care about conservation or whatever, there's a very practical uh, point to that, and that is, do you want to pay more to get safe drinking water? Well, you can adjust your behaviors on the front end, and that uh, in the long run can help as well. A lot of our tax money goes to um, landfills, too, in making safe landfills. It's a lot of work to build a landfill in such a way that you don't have leaching of of poisons into the water system. I would like to say this, though. Having traveled extensively in uh, a lot of third world countries, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you're either safer drinking bottled water or beer uh, than than the water there. We are fortunate to have excellent facilities to get our water where it's potable and drinkable, and we need to be thankful for that, but we need to be very careful about polluting our water system. Yeah. Well, and that goes also to their the recycling. You know, the more landfills we have, the more 
possible problems we could have. So the recycling, even though people think of it's a, a, another um, tax or another, um, you know, something they have to pay for, in the long run, it's going to benefit you. You won't have to be paying for some of that cleaning up of that drinking water you might want to drink. Yeah, the fees for recycling may be money well spent when you look at yeah at the alternatives. And that's another one that I think uh, if you were interested about recycling and maybe want to try to improve the recycling uh, situation here in Mississippi, again, I would encourage you to start uh, at your local governments and, uh, you know, you can talk to your, your mayor, your board of aldermen, your state representatives. Uh, you know, that's the way that we try to get things done is our lawmakers represent our interests. And the only way they're going to find out that someone is interested in, in a particular thing like that is is to let them know. So if it's something that you're interested in, that would be a, a good way to get started, and, again, on the local level. Organizing um, litter cleanups with Girl Scout troops, with your youth at it's Summer is a great time to do that with church youth. Anything you can do like that to because really it helps to show kids what happens. They don't think about that one paper cup they throw out the window or that one styrofoam cup. But if they get out and walk the road and pick up trash with their group, you know, it's they really see what a cumulative effect it has. And I think even for adults when you see a local group that does that and there's maybe something on the local news and they collect eight zillion pounds of trash it's a it's just a reminder and Mm -hmm. and something like this the more people are reminded of the more they're aware of the problem i think the more they're going to respond to and and be more responsible and our in our area here we have the pearl river keeper and they do um cleanups all the time and you also have keep mississippi beautiful and each of the there's a lot of affiliates because i also help with keep the res beautiful and and in my program also that, you know, if you need bags or help or, or something like that, you know, give us a call. Um, we are, I'm more than willing to help to get, you know, plastic gloves and glitter grabbers and, you know, bags to help pick it, pick whatever up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get one more call in before the end of the hour. It's our friend Mikey from Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Y'all are so on cue. I am abroad and I am a listener, Okay. Um, uh, uh, But uh, I just want to offer one simple, very simple tip that I think would work for everybody. The ubiquitous plastic bags that you get with every purchase in every store, every gas station, if you're going out to buy gas to put in your boat or your car, you are going to get a plastic bag if you buy anything. These are small children-sized sorts of things. You, and you don't have to go through a whole lot of... You can separate your plastic bottles and things and your styrofoam cups if that's necessary very easily. Tie them off and then take them you know, to somewhere. That we, we've got to figure out something. We've got to figure out something. Thank and you, Mike. Why not yeah. reuse them? Yeah. Say no to those plastic bags and carry your bag. So often I'll say, you know, let me just put that in my purse. Mm-hmm. You don't need to. You, I carry a lot of um, bags into various stores that, you know, I use myself mm-hmm. and, and fill up. Um, I had a friend that went to California just recently. She didn't have a bag with her, and they charged her 10 cents every plastic bag she had to fill up with her groceries. Yeah. So there are ways to do it, but if nothing else, use it as your trash can in the car, which I use yeah. quite a bit. Right. <laughs> yeah, but you can really reduce the number of those you get if you start carrying your own bags and yes. be mindful of it and say no to the plastic straws. 
Well, you know, and I would say, <laughs> yeah. too, Libby, that, you know, a lot of times it's the same thing. You buy, like, a, a, a bottled drink or something, and they try, want to stick it in that plastic bag. And, again, the yeah. grocery stores are doing it for convenience for people. But a lot of times, you know, I'll tell them no, or I'll say, you know, stick the milk in with the bread or whatever, you know. Uh, and and cut down on the number of, of, of those plastic bags that you get. Uh, Deb, almost out of time, but if you would, if someone is interested in the Adopt-A-Stream program, how can they get in touch? Um, they can call the Mississippi Wildlife Federation. They can always email me at dveter at org. And I do a lot of teacher programs, a lot of school programs, so scouts and that, um, even every once in a while on the weekends. <laughs> so, you know, I'd be happy to come out and talk or, or help with, with anything. I love to get the kids outside in a stream also, so I'm right. willing to do that. Very good. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded in part by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Deb Veter, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass, and we'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts heard only on MPB Think Radio.